Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, as ever, Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard and musical theater fan in residence. So the show that I'm here to talk to you about today, Amelie, is a new musical that I think is probably one of the most straightforward examples on Broadway right now of how the pop and musical theater worlds can intersect. The composer, Daniel Massey, started out as someone who loved musical theater and folk music equally, and it really was his dream to write a Broadway musical eventually. It just so happens that the folk music thing worked out for him first. Uh, He started the band Hem in Brooklyn in the late 90s, put out several records with them, and I highly recommend listening to Hem's album Rabbit Songs. It's just this lovely sort of delicate, folky, Americana kind of sound, and the band has an amazing uh, female vocalist, Sally Ellison, who has just a crazy voice. And, you know, if you listen to any Hem song, it makes it pretty clear that Massey gets how to tell a story and song and how to write for a really amazing female voice. So it's not entirely surprising that the songs in Amelie bear more than a passing resemblance to Hem songs. They have a pop sensibility, uh, really lovely melodies, but this kind of delicate lyricism that really makes it feel to me like a singer-songwriter kind of musical. And he has two great voices to work with in this case. Uh, Amelie is played by Philip Sue, uh, who many of you know as the original Eliza Hamilton in Hamilton, and uh, Adam Chandler Barat, who is kind of a regular in a lot of kind of new, interesting Broadway and off-Broadway shows. He was in Peter and the Starcatcher. He uh, was recently in Sunday in the Park with George in Boston, and his voice to me just sounds like made for a band. So they came in with uh, Missae's co-lyricist, Nathan Tyson, recently to chat about Amelie, and here's our talk. They say times are hard for dreamers, and who knows, maybe they are. People seem stuck or lost at sea. And I might be a dreamer, but it's gotten me this far, and that is far enough for me. Uh, so yeah, so thank you for coming in, you guys. Very many, many of my favorite theater and outside theater people here today. Uh, why don't we go around? Adam, you are? Hi, my name is Adam Chandler Barat, and I play Nino Cancampois. Hi. Oh, do I not know? I just like saying the name. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, hello, my name is Philippa Sue, and I play Amelie. And I'm Daniel Massey, and I play the composer and the co-lyricist. And I'm Nathan Tyson, and I am also the co-lyricist with Dan. Excellent. Well, I'm always amazed by how long ago it was that Amelie first came out. I feel like it's still such a touchstone for so many people, and... Uh, when it came out, I feel like it was almost a thing, like you were artsy and interesting if you liked Amelie. Like, <laughs> it was like your favorite movie on Facebook. Um, <laughs> but it's crazy to think that it was like, you know, over 15 years ago now that it came out. Were you all fans of it when the movie first came out or did you kind of come to it later on? I, I saw it when it came out and it, it was it was like post 9-11 and uh, it definitely was a, a really nice antidote to a really sort of miserable time because it was just it was so delightful and it was so positive 
um, even though it was about, I thought, inter- uh, serious things. I mean, I just, uh, I just left it feeling full again. And uh, so, yeah. But I don't remember, like, how did you kids ever <laughs> see this? <laughs> you kids. I saw it later in my life. As in, like, it came out probably when I was still a child. And then once I became a teenager, of course, you become sort of interested in, like, being worldly. And I, w- I had an obsession with foreign films. And um, and Amelie was, was one of those that, that came across my path as kind of this coming-of-age film for me. I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally see myself in this woman. Finally, someone that I relate to in a in a film mm-hmm. yeah i i shamefully had not seen it um prior to the offer for the first reading of this the first table read um and i my history with movies is littered with things like that like essentials that i missed when i was a kid so um so really my association with the movie is very closely linked with the show Mm-hmm. I just remember, yeah, I saw it um, in the theater, and uh, I remember it was one of the first foreign films I'd ever seen, and I just felt so cool that it had subtitles, first yeah. of all. So I, you know, guys, you have to see this. Like, it's very moving, and there's also subtitles. Even though my wife's uh, grandmother had a, cannot watch it on Netflix because of the subtitles. Right. It's just so hard to follow. Right. Is there a version her. of this movie that has other actors, American right. actors, dubbing in? <laughs> I think, you know, we're all artists, people that have wild imaginations to finally see someone like that on, on screen and to see those those dreams come to life. You just felt connected to that character in a way that I, that I never had before. Um, and it was just so visually stunning, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like more than many movies, music is such a big part of it to me. And it, it's like the minute I think of Amelie, it's like accordions start playing in my head. And <laughs> I wonder for you as composer, if that is sort of like, ah, I have to get as far away from that as possible or how how that sort of set things up for you. I mean, I love that score. The Jan Tiersen score is, is a touchstone for all movie music. And uh, yes, I had to, I, I mean, actually, you know, it wasn't ever an intentional thing because I mean, I'm not, I'm going to write, I have my own voice as a composer. He has his own voice. And uh, it, it was never an issue of like, of sounding like the movie or not sounding like the movie. I, I was going to sound like me. Um, I, I always feel like there is a French uh, influence, um, especially like like the impressionistic sort of pianistic work that I've always had in my, in my voice. So to me, it, it's, I, I never wanted to like, get away from the sound i just wanted to create a new a new world that was that was an adaptation of this world that was so lovingly created by junet and and tierson for for me did you know that you were writing for adam and pippa's voices when you were getting started because i listening to you sing the songs just now they seem so well tailored to you know what each of your voices do specifically one of the great things about this process and it's been a long process and 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 for for me as someone who comes from like an album cycle thing where like you if you spend a year on a, a project that's a nice chunk of time but to have like 5 years 6 years 7 years on a project it allows me to allowed me to like really be, these people became muses for me their voices like, like I when I write now I write for Pippa and for Adam I mean those so those are the voices that I have in my head and and 
as a result, the there was a, there was really a two way street of communication. Like they, when they would sing a song of mine, it would then influence what I would write later. And as a result, I feel like the later work, the latest songs in the show, um, from Times Are Hard to Dreamer for Dreamers and the finale, like those are my favorite numbers, and I think they're the ones that are that quintessentially serve their voices best. Mm-hmm. Including, we dropped a new song on Adam. Uh, two days before we had to freeze the show. Um, and, you know, the previous song worked. It was a solid song. We really liked it. It was one of my favorite songs in the show. But we, we thought we had a, just a, a different approach, something that uh, was going to help heighten the moment and really help the audience kind of fall in love with this character. And, uh, you know, definitely tailored it exactly to Adam's voice. And, uh, and he was gung-ho and he went for it. And it was super exciting. And that, that is one of my favorite songs in the show. That's cool, and it must be so exciting for you, too. (laughs) Gung-ho is generous. (laughs) Gung-ho is generous. I got gung-ho, but I did not start gung-ho. You started ho. I started ho, and then the gung came later. (laughs) Came later. Had you heard whisperings that something was... No, I had no idea. So when we dropped that on you, like, after a rehearsal... It was like being called to the principal's office. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like... It's like, but this is what's why, happening. This is why Adam is so amazing because you know he was given that song the the same day that he had to perform it that night, right? I was given it the, the night before? prior to having to perform. I think it was a Thursday, and we put we put it in on Friday. Right. I mean, that is just a level of professionalism that I am in awe of. <laughs> Thanks, Pip. You're welcome. <laughs> also generous. No, no, no that's serious. true. That's true. It's For those well, of you who are going to see the show or have yet to see the show or are coming, it is his first song and it's called When the Booth Goes Bright. Honestly, um, it's sort of, you, you, there are many stages of getting new material um, under the wire like that uh, in terms of how you respond to it, but... Um, and the first uh, for me is always panic. Like even when I get a new song with tons of time to re- <laughs> to rehearse it. Um, but really, when you think about it, like at the core, essentially, it's like the most exciting thing because it's you're making a musical. It's you know that's why I love doing new work because mm-hmm. it's happening in real time and it's just a as Tim Gunn would say, a make it work moment. Yes. So it's, um, I can't do Tim Gunn, but he would say that at, about this say, moment. I like your Tim Gunn voice. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's thrilling. It's really exciting to, to have an opportunity. It's sort of what you live for. It's kind of an adrenaline rush. I was going to say that the two of you do have done so much new work, and I feel like I almost exclusively know you for doing new musicals. And how has this experience compared to like what you've been used to, or are you just very comfortable in this context where things are kind of changing in the moment at this point? Well, I mean, it's funny that you say that, because I, I think that we have a very special sort of wavelength that we ride on. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're rehearsing this show together, and in a, a very collaborative room and we've done a bunch of other shows and I think I think there's like um, a vocabulary that you find yeah. with people mm-hmm. and for us it just came so easily I mean in terms of trying to hash out the story and like way, ways yeah. that we were able to talk about the story when we were putting it on its feet for the first time you know it just it felt like a really like great easy collaboration it felt like we were instantly in the same play in the same world Mm-hmm. And then once and then when you sort of know when when you have a partner that you trust and respect and who makes you want to be better 
I feel like like Pippa does. You you um, it, there's a kind of safety in that, and then you, it frees you up creatively to. You don't have to worry about that. You're 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 worrying about what are my words? What are the new things right. I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's very selfless in in the idea that's just like the best idea wins. Right. Right. So it's right. like I'm not gonna try and do my thing. It's like, oh, do you have a better idea? Please, like, help me, yeah. you know? Did Had the two of you crossed paths in the theater world before, or was this kind of your first time we first really met working doing with each a, other? We first met a workshop yeah. of, of this musical. And that was, that was the end. That was just true love at first sight. That was the beginning <laughs> and the end. The beginning <laughs> and the end. Um, no, it was honestly love at first sight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aw. Well, I'm curious, were you aware of Dan's music before this? And I was not. I was not, and gratefully so. I've been able to be exposed to so much of it in the past three years. I was. I was a super fan of dance music. We went through the yeah. same grad program, but yeah. he went there, I think, there's like five or six years between 1972, us. 1972, Yeah, yeah, and I went in uh, 2012. <laughs> so, uh, and th- the story goes, he sent his the first CD of Hem, his band, uh, mm. called Rabbit Songs, to the head of the department. I was a work study at that program, and I opened her mail for her, and she never got that CD because I took it and <laughs> kept it and I became totally obsessed with his band and saw him many times and introduced myself. And when I heard that he was doing Amelie, um, um, we, uh, we were both friends with, with the lead producer, and uh, I just said, if he ever is looking for a collaborator to please uh, consider me. And a year later, that was what happened. And now the fact that I get to write songs with Dan, I consider him one of my best friends. is It's a dream come true. And I just have to say, like, this is, I mean, co-lyricist is not quite do Nathan justice either because, because literally when we get, when we go to work each day, he, he sits right beside me on the piano and it's, it's very old school Tin Pan Alley. We just write a song together. And, and I guess, I mean, part of it is the room that our director Pam McKinnon created this incredibly collaborative space where just you, you, how could you not say yes? to anything like that just the the overall vibe was yes let's try it yes let's be open to that and that certainly affected our collaboration um and just there's no boundaries we did we just i mean i would say like some days all we did was just listen to other favorite other songs of, that we loved and were inspired by that it's just you know we're both uh fanboys of songs and songwriting and uh you know it's, it's the best job in the world I was curious what the sort of sound mood board, as it were, was was for you and what the two of you might hear in uh, their writing, because I feel like I do hear a lot of pop influence. But, you know, when I think about your music with him, it's like very intimate, but it, they are kind of story songs. And I think, you know, your talents lend themselves to storytelling. I mean, the secret of him was that they were always theatrical songs. And, and Sally, the lead vocalist of him, just she has this very stoic affect so she she's able to sing these emotionally hyperventilating songs but it's it's like once removed and uh she does it's like she's the opposite of an actress she just sings it and um so i so all along i felt like i was writing for theater and in fact that was my dream when i was a kid and that's why i came to new york was to write for theater and uh it didn't I mean, basically, I also love folk music, and so I started both things, and the folk music worked first. But um, it was so great to actually apply those same influences to theater, 
And because I think that Hem fans would will still love the score. It's it's got all the same elements, the same orchestral uh, filigree in all the instruments, and you know it's there's a sophistication, but it's also in the end really just about good songs. Mm-hmm. What about for you too? I mean, what did you think when you heard his music for the first time? Um, I feel like I often associate because I again, shamefully, did not know him before this project came along. And so when I started learning the score, I sort of was, um, I was just playing him just to sort of get inside of the Dan Massey sound. And um, I feel like it, this score, you know, so fits into the vocabulary of the band, like what you were saying. So, um, yeah, there was something really theatrical about about that music that's that seemed like it made sense i mean i i think that uh, half asleep which is a song that that isn't is cut from our show but was in various versions of it is on one of your hem albums there, there, right? there, there was a there was a time when when a lot of these songs were being sung by both both hem and amelie most of those songs got cut from amelie but but there there it was a big overlap for right. that and uh god i miss that song Have me to too yeah should we sing it right now <laughs> um, who has the pitch pipe mm, no I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah there i i think the first song that i heard was stay from a demo um and i was just we i mean we kind of talked about this a little bit today but the the idea that <laughs> It's like it switches. I'm like, you know, music theater nerd. Um, It switches from five to six in time. And there's something about that, like sort of like missed step that just like caught my heart. Like it just like it was like I was, you know, walking along, just going through my life. And then all of a sudden this song just like came into my life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so I think there was so much heart in in what I heard that I was just automatically drawn to it because something that evokes feelings like that, you know, like like follow that. I mean, whatever it is, if it's a song or a painting or um, a piece of writing, like that makes you kind of stop in your tracks and, and kind of gasp. I just feel like you have to try and be a part of that in whatever way that you can. Um, and so I did that. And they were so grateful, gracious to let me, you know, into the room. But it was really beautiful, that song. Well, sitting here in the room with all of you, you're like two little teamlets, but I feel like the four of you are clearly very much on the same wavelength. I mean, do you find that you have similar inspirations, similar music you like to listen to? or? I mean, I would love I would love to share playlists with you guys. <laughs> yes. mixtapes. Let's make some mixtapes. Tell me here. what you all are listening to right now. What are you all really into? Besides Amelie. <laughs> Honestly, I have not had time to listen to anything but the show. I, I hope starting, I'm, I'm just mixing the album right now, and I'm hoping that starting on Thursday, I will open up uh, Spotify probably, unfortunately, and, <laughs> and uh, explore some music. I actually just for the first time went and saw live music on Sunday night, on Easter Sunday, and I couldn't believe it. I felt... I was I was very proud of myself. I even, I even took my wife. What was it? Well, we went to the this music venue in, in Williamsburg called like 
<laughs> hey, baby, it's you, or come hey, on, ba- hey, right. baby's, baby's all right. All right. <laughs> hey, baby, it's you. Right. I want to know what Hey, so, baby, it's you is. That's a musical uh, yes. about a venue, a music venue. <laughs> Oh, that is totally a musical. We just give you our, your new idea. So. Thank you. That's a You're cool, welcome. That's a cool place it's to go. It's a fantastic venue. Yeah. I job. lived in Williamsburg like 15 <laughs> years ago and like hadn't been in that neighborhood and couldn't believe that now there's a music venue there. Um, but it's uh, the the front man from Wolfpack, uh, Theo Katzman, has uh, a, a new solo record out, and and my buddy uh, was opening for him and then playing keys for him. But this guy is is unbelievable. Wolfpack. I, I know I've played you some of that mm-hmm. stuff, and this is this, this bass player's name is Joe. Dart, who is hands down like the best name for a bass player. Uh, that's a good time. bass player yeah. name. <laughs> anyway, check out that record. What are you guys listening to? I've been listening to. Uh, oh well, I, I was listening to S Town, so it's not really music. Yes, but that's what there's everybody music in it. There's music. There's music in it. There is music in it. That's a great podcast. It's a great podcast. I mean, you're always listening to music. You listen. At well, least yeah. I catch you listening to a lot of Fiona. Well, yeah. Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple, really? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, some folks some that first sometimes. album is so good. <laughs> yes. So good. Or Regina Spector. Regina Spector. So or good. Eva you Cassidy. recommended us a Regina Spector album to Yes, me. I did. I recommended her new album, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Agreed. Lots of storytelling in that album. It made me kind of yes. think of our show, which is why I shared it with him. But I also like to go to my, like, like, I'm like, you know, I like what I like. And sometimes I'm like, let's just put on a little bit of Sinatra. Like, I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. a 60-year-old man. You know, I, I am too. I'm nothing outside. wrong. With that. <laughs> I am on the outside. <laughs> but no, for a week and a half, it's been all about the cast album, which we I think we finish mixing. The deadline is tomorrow, and it sounds so good. So cool. it sounds really very good. excited to get. They're that actually out into mixing the world. it right now. Well, yes, we're doing this as we as your. No, yes. <laughs> Well, they can't do it until I get back. (laughs) (laughs) And probably such a rare experience to do a cast album with someone who has like so much studio expertise. But it is, I mean, it is crazy because, you know, for most Broadway shows, you get one and a half to two days to record the album. That's so insane to me. Which is so insane. Epic days. But it's just like, it's such a testament to... You know, give me an hour, I'll do whatever I need to do in an hour. Give me five days, I'll do it in five days, Mm -hmm. you know. And that, like, everyone is just so good at their jobs. I mean, it's it's amazing. (laughs) And we're we're pretty separated from the musicians in the theater. Um, They're in in a very unique spot to a theater, but they're up in in sort of the 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 boxes on the Mm -hmm. side of the mezzanine, and um, and it was nice to be in the studio to actually like sit down, have a chat. And uh, and you know be in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. I have to say I love what a thing it is now on Broadway to have musicians in weird places. Like it's always so much more engaging. Totally, but I feel like I've seen this a lot yeah. more lately. And for me, it was it was like a prerequisite that I did not want to have the musicians hidden away because for me then it always feels canned. It always feels like it's a tape. I want to see the musicians. The first time we actually were gonna and we we've had three full productions uh, at Berkeley Rep. The musicians were actually behind the, the the set and there was supposed to be revealed um, w- but that couldn't happen and so then in LA I insisted that there was a pit that we had a, tr- a traditional pit and when we had to really figure out where we how we were gonna get them vis- visible for for the Walter Kerr theater um, and the side boxes are amazing it's, it's the most live sounding show I've ever heard which to me is really exciting yeah yeah 
Yay, live musicians. I was going to say that listening to the two of you sing, I have you ever been in bands, either one of you? Because I oh, feel like you, especially Adam, you kind of have like a little bit of a rock singer voice. I was, oh gosh. You could make it work. I was in a really bad, no, oh, that's so mean that I just said that. I was in a band. Can you just start from there? Yes. I was in a band in in college called Socially Unacceptable Sweaters. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) And we had our debut and final concert (laughs) in the folk, the American Folk Art Museum lobby. Wow. Wow. That's a lot happening right now. Um, Yeah. So that sort of paints the picture uh, and it was just a lot of like uh, sad songs about growing up in the suburbs. <laughs> original songs. So original wow. songs. Did you write them? It's like Vampire Weekend. Uh, yeah. We we wrote th- yeah <laughs> yep we wrote them. I don't remember how, but we yeah we wrote them. Someone's gonna find this. Now. Yes, yes. Someone has to Oof, own it, up to this. Well, I, it just no, it's nowhere to be found. So <laughs> thank, thankfully. Um, I'm glad we're yeah. memorializing it here. Yeah, rest in peace. Socially unacceptable sweaters. <laughs> wow. But uh, no, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you were gonna ask me about mus- the music I'm listening to right yeah. now, and I love pop music. Yay. I love pop music, and so I'm like very, very, very much into the new Lady Gaga single, Excellent. like so the am rest I. of the world. Yes, so good. And um, also uh, the the Bleachers, the new Bleachers single, Don't Take the Money. So We're on the same page. Yeah. I can okay, see. Okay, good. Cool. <laughs> Are you also a Carly Rae Jepsen fan by any chance? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> when when B- B-Side actually came, I think B-Side came out when we were in Berkeley. And so I, associ- I so deeply associate like being on the treadmill, like warming up for the show, um, listening to Carly Rae Jepsen. That's good. B-Side. Good. I'm I glad. do that too. I associate our um, our Amundsen run with the Andrew Bird album. That's right. That you shared with me. That's right. That's not yeah. pop, strictly speaking. That's, That's true. Not- That's true. <laughs> I have a I have a very expansive view of. A, a definition of what pop music is as everyone should mm-hmm. well that's funny to think when you work on a show for that long there's like a lot of music that sort of passes through mm-hmm. your lives yeah. things have changed a lot yeah in exactly. those years is it i mean i feel like i know the answer to this but is it when you've been working on a show for so long and i assume all of you had different things going on in the background at the same time is it difficult to keep it fresh or does it really evolve for all of you over the course of years that it takes to birth a new musical <laughs> Well, I feel like your your journey with the musical has come to an end of being about like five or six years going on. And then our, our journey has like, we're kind of like just beginning, I right. guess. We're like leaving, we're like leaving home. We're like going to college. Yeah. We're like leaving home for the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's like, I mean. We can't tell you what to wear anymore. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, they can't tell us what to wear. Mom and dad are gone. I'm going to yeah. eat so much cereal. So much ramen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it's, um, it gets this like beautiful sort of like, okay, we've like built this thing and like now, now it lives and breathes and it's about maintaining and taking care of it. It's a different skill set for actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm like, you know, in the room, I'm turning on my creative brain, like, you know, let's just throw things around and see what sticks. Uh, and then um, once we put the show up and freeze the show and we're running a show, my brain kind of goes into like, okay, maintenance. How do I take care of myself? How do I make it easy to show up every single day and do this 
like as if it were the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and it's and it's very easy when you have a great cast to come to, and we're all kind of just like, you know, on our feet and ready to go, um, leaning forward with like you know open eyes, open ears, uh, and it's it's great. Yeah, it's. Um... It's kind of my favorite part. You just have to remember that even though the text is 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 sort of f- frozen, that anything can happen. Mm-hmm. That anything really can happen. That's my favorite thing about theater is that any the room, the temperature of the room is different every single time. And and you know, I feel like the those world that the that these guys the amazing world that these guys created sort of leaves room and space for you to really like live inside of it and I feel like that's the best kind of musical theater writers are the people who create like a a sort of trampoline for you to jump off of and I feel like you know we do that every night there's often like a playground metaphor used Mm -hmm. by actors who are like oh it's like going to the playground but it really is there's like this solid structure that is very well built and beautiful and fun to be on that you can kind of just like live on and exist on every night yeah i like the idea of a creative trampoline i do i like the trampoline That should be your second band. <laughs> I Creative when... trampoline. We need a no, we need something like grungy in there though. It can't just it like, has to be like, you, like, you, like create a like... broken trampoline or something. Oh yeah. Rusty monkey bars. Ah, oh, there yeah. it is. Yes. There's another good band name, oh. by the way. Rusty monkey bars. Yeah. Wow. Well thank you so much, all of you, for coming in. Nice to meet you. Thanks for show. having thank us you. here. Thank you. See us. Stay. Stay. Amelie is playing at the Walter Kerr Theater right now. It is unfortunately closing May 21st, so if you liked what these folks had to say and the music, definitely snap up tickets to see it ASAP. And thanks as usual for tuning into Billboard on Broadway. If you like what you heard, please give us lots of stars and happy ratings on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter with the hashtag Billboard on Broadway. You can find me at Rebecca Mills Off, and please tune in again next week. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 